Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. Good to see all of you. I invite you to open your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll read verses 2 through 9 of 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I know that you all are believers in prayer. You believe in praying. I know you do. You've told me that you do. And I've, I've seen many of you pray, heard many of you pray, and uh, I've seen your life, and, and I, I've witnessed the kind of life that comes, that is an overflow of a person who prays. I see that. I know that you are. But you know, uh, for those of us who pray, there is a dilemma, a predicament we face from time to time, and that is there are times, and if we're honest, we would admit this, there are times when we pray for things, and the things we pray for we know are good things, maybe even things that, w- that would normally be within God's will, clearly righteous requests, and God doesn't give them to us. Now, we all know God is God, and God has every right to say no to us at any time He wants, because He's God, and we're not. And there are times when we ask for things that, after we think about them a while, we realize, well, that wasn't a good thing really to ask. It wasn't as good to ask it as I thought at the time that I prayed for it. But there are other things that we we pray for that, boy, they really look like good things. And yet God says, no. Has that ever happened to you? Well, it's happened to me a few times, uh, and... And sometimes it's a real dilemma for me. I can say, you know, God, I know that this is something that would be within the realm of what I understand your will to be, and yet uh, you've said no. How, How can that be? When I find myself in such a dilemma, it helps me, it comforts me to know that there are some real superstars of the Christian faith, the Apostle Paul being one of them, who prayed for things that they were passionate about and thought were God's will, and God even told them no. And I guess that if God can tell Paul no, well, he can tell Jimmy no. So let's look at one of those. The title of this sermon is, Even Paul Didn't Get Everything He Wanted. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse 2. Paul says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, 
I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, our prayer this morning needs to be the prayer of of John the Baptizer when he said, talking about the Lord, he said, He must increase, but I must decrease. Because this is basically what Paul is saying here. In order for you to increase, we must decrease. In order for you to get the praise you deserve, we must limit the praise we give ourselves. In order for your power to be visible to those around us, our power, which is really, it's really kind of a joke to talk about our power, our power, our abilities must, must be diminished. At least our talking about them. Lord, there are times when you say no to what we ask for. Help us to understand from this experience of Paul's why that is so and what we're to do with it. Because it's important. Great lesson. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, tell me what movie this comes from. I'll be back. Terminator, Terminator. 1984, the first Terminator movie came out. Arnold Schwarzenegger, the muscle man, Terminator. I never did see Terminator. I don't think we've seen Terminator. And there have been several of them come out. That was 1984. The last, one of the last lines in that movie was, I'll be back. Schwarzenegger, as the Terminator, said that. And sure enough, 1991, he comes back uh, in Terminator Uh, Judgment Day, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, 1991. And then, again, 2003, he comes out in Terminator 3, The Rise of the Machines. In 2009, he comes out with Terminator Salvation. And now, this year in the theaters, you've got Terminator Genesis, Terminator Genesis. Uh, How many of you have seen any of the Terminator movies? Raise your hand, anybody? Yeah, a few people. You know, one of the major themes of the Terminator series of movies is is this. Strength and or brute force is how you win. Strength or brute force is how you win in this this game that we call life. And uh, it is a theme that has been well publicized. In fact, it has been propagated to the point where where many of us, most of us, all of us from time to time actually embrace this idea that there are some major things in life that you win through brute force. The more power you have, the more your chances are to win. The more influence you have, the higher the chances you're going to win. The more brute force you exert, the higher the probability that you are going to win. 
and it's pretty widespread. Uh, it's around the world. We see it on the news every single night. There are those who seek to win by exerting power, by exerting influence, by exerting brute force. And while influence can be a great thing, especially if it's used for the cause of Christ, Christ is the opposite his, his attitude, his philosophy was the opposite and is the opposite of power and brute force. Uh, the disciples had this problem. You know, they, they, they wanted to uh, have the, the places to the right and left in the kingdom of heaven. They, they, they wanted to uh, be the greatest. And Jesus says, look, I didn't come to be ministered to, I came to minister. The first shall be last, the last first. If you... Uh, want to follow me, empty yourself, take up your cross, follow me. It was the weakness that gives us the strength that God wants to give us. Paul's the same way. Uh, Paul did not have the Terminator philosophy in living his Christian life. Actually, he did have it uh, because that was part of his sinful nature. But when he became a Christian and the, and the Christ nature came into his life and, and started battling within him, just like it does within all of us, the Christ nature and the sinful nature battling. The Christ nature is one not of power, but of, of glorifying God through weakness. And so while Paul's sinful nature was one of glorifying himself, the Christ nature that went within him was of glorifying God and allowing God's power to be magnified through Paul's weaknesses. So uh, that's what we see in this passage of Scripture. Let me make a, a, a statement about it before we get to uh, the things that I really want to say about this passage. First of all, is uh, this passage is hard for me. Uh, it's hard for me to read because as I read it, it sounds as though Paul is bragging about himself. In fact, I think he is. Or I think he's trying to. He, he, he's trying to brag about himself because I think that's his natural tendency. We'll get to that in just a minute. It's almost like Paul says, I'm not going to brag about myself, but I am going to brag about myself. I, I, I'm, I'm going to brag about myself, but I'm going to try to keep myself from bragging about myself. And yet, sometimes his braggadociousness leaks through. Oh, well. We're not supposed to think those kind of things about Paul. Let me share with you as we walk through this, uh, as we walk through this passage. First thing I want you to note is that Paul had an extraordinary experience, an extraordinary experience. There are some experiences we have with God that we do not have every day. We don't even have them every year. They may be once in a lifetime. Paul had an extraordinary experience. Verse 2 says that he was caught up to what he called the third heaven. Now, people in the New Testament culture, they believed in three layers of heaven, three levels of heaven. Let me explain this to you. The first layer of heaven, the first heaven, they believe, was, was here on earth. If Paul were here today, and, and if he described for us the first heaven, he would say, you and I, right here in this place, we are living in the first heaven. Life on earth is the first heaven. And then the second level, heaven, is the heaven that's up there in the, uh, uh, among the galaxies and the planets and the stars and the moon. The, what we can visibly see with our naked eye or with the help of a telescope. That's the second heaven. 
NASA explores the second, uh, a small part of the second heaven. But then there's the third heaven. The third heaven is the place where God resides. It's the place where when Christians die, we believe that we will go to be with God in heaven. That is what Paul is referring to as the third heaven. And very few people in Scripture, uh, while they were here on earth, got to witness the third heaven. Very few people. John did in Revelation chapter 4. He was, uh, in in the book of Revelation chapter 4, John was invited up into heaven where he saw God on his throne. Between where John was and where God was, there was this uh, crystal sea, like a sea of glass. He was able to get to the third heaven. Paul here in chapter uh, 12 of 2 Corinthians tells us about a time 14 years earlier when he he was caught up to the third heaven. And while he was there... Paul says that he saw some things that were so incredibly wonderful that he was not permitted to talk about them. I'd venture to say that even if he had been permitted to talk about them, there aren't enough adequate descriptive words in any language to describe what he experienced. But but Paul says he was not allowed to express them. Now this, this irritates me a little bit. You ever had somebody come up to you and they say, man, you will not believe what I experienced yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah, man, it was awesome. It's incredible. Well, what was it? I'm not going to tell you. Doesn't that just tick you off? That just makes me mad. I mean, why bring it up anyway, right? Well, Paul says, look, I was caught up. 14 years ago, I was caught up to the third heaven. I experienced things that are inexpressible. And then he says, but I'm not going to tell you about them. Because he says, I'm not permitted to tell you about them, but he was, he wanted to tell them. He was, he was bursting. You ever experienced something and it was so awesome that you were just dying to tell somebody about it? I mean, you couldn't wait to find the first person you knew so that you could tell them about what you had experienced. Paul was pumped because of this experience, this extraordinary experience. The second thing I want you to note is though, that this experience of Paul's prompted him to be boastful. You see, Paul had a problem most of us human beings have, and that is that he was quick to boast. He leaned toward being prideful. And we see him, we feel him struggling with this urge to be prideful and boast, and yet the urge also uh, for, for him to allow God to restrain, to restrain him from being boastful. But that was his tendency. Some people say, man, you shouldn't talk about Paul like that. Uh, There's a mistake we make in Bible study with regard to Paul. And and let me just say what it is. Are you ready for this? Here's here's what it is. Paul was not Jesus. Now, he's a superstar. He's in the Faith Hall of Fame. I'll I'll grant you that. But, But the Apostle Paul was not Jesus. Jesus was perfect. Jesus was sinless. You will never be able to say that about the Apostle Paul. Paul didn't even say that about himself. He was subject to the same temptations and sinful tendencies that you and I are subject to. And one of the things about him that was sinful, a sinful tendency, was he was was very susceptible to boasting about himself. In fact, listen to this. Uh, uh, Verses 3 and 4. Now listen to this. And I know that this man was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things that no one's permitted to tell. And then he says this. This is verse 5. This is is a, a really paradoxical verse. 
I will boast about a man like that, he says, but I will not boast about myself. Now listen to that. I will boast about a man like that, who went to the third heaven, saw things inexpressible. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself. Well, you see, he was the one who had this experience. So it's almost like he was saying, I would boast about that, but I'm not going to boast about that. I'd like to boast about what I've done. I'm not going to boast about that. I will, I won't, I will, I won't. I mean, it's like he's driving me crazy. But I think the reason that we see this, this tension, this conflict in Paul, is, is, is the same conflict that you and I all experience because of this fight within us between the Savior nature, the Jesus nature, versus the sinful nature. We're constantly in this conflict. And Paul wanted to brag about where he'd been, but he had to refrain himself. And sometimes, even in the refraining from boasting, the, the boasting would still leak out. This is what he says in verse 6. He says, but even if I choose to boast, I wouldn't be a fool because I'd be speaking the truth. You see that? You hear that? Oh, Paul, he's trying. He wants to boast, but he knows he can't boast, but he's going to seep out a little of it anyway. He's really struggling here. He says, but I refrain. And why am I going to refrain? So that you all won't think more of me than is warranted. He even gets it out there, you see. Paul's experience prompted him to be boastful. And so, number three, in order to keep Paul from boasting more than he already is, God sent a thorn to keep Paul from boasting. Now, we don't know what the thorn was. And really, what it was is is not important. I think that's the reason that the text does not tell us what the thorn was. Some people say, well, it was because uh, the thorn was uh, bad eyesight. Some people say it was some form of uh, fever. Some people say it was um, uh, depression. Other people say that it was epilepsy or leprosy. The fact of the matter is we don't know and it doesn't matter. What does matter is the fact that God allowed something, a thorn, in Paul's life for the express purpose of keeping him from boasting more than he already was. Paul says, verse 7, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan. Isn't that interesting? God took a messenger of Satan, whatever that was, and used that clearly bad thing to inflict Paul in a good way. Have you ever been inflicted in a good way? God uses this messenger to inflict Paul in a good way to keep him from boasting. Fourth thing I want to say is that Paul prayed three times to remove this thorn. Three times. He says, uh, he says in verse 8, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Uh, and he said no. Three times. Now, did Paul believe, what, did, did he pray passionately? I would say he did. I think that's the reason he prayed three times. How many of, how many of us pray for something more than once. You know, not many times. Now, we'll pray for family. You know, we pray for family every day, don't we? We'll pray, we'll give thanks for our food. Those things, those are the kind of things we pray for almost every time that we pray. But 
uh, there are some things that we will we'll hit it once and gone, once and gone, once and gone, maybe twice and gone, twice and gone. Paul prays three times for this, this uh, thorn in the flesh to be removed. He's passionate about it. He wants it to be gone. He believes that it may be within God's will to take it away, even though God is the one who actually allowed him to be inflicted with this messenger of Satan, thorn in the flesh. He, he believes that maybe it's God's will to take it away. And so he keeps praying. Why else would Paul continue to pray for this if he didn't think it was God's will? He thought it was God's will. And God said, no. Hmm. God sometimes says no. Now, I'm one who does not believe that there is such thing as unanswered prayer. I hear some folks say sometimes, well, you know, I'm thankful for unanswered prayer, or there are times when God doesn't answer my prayer. God always answers prayer. Yes, no, not now, maybe later. You have got to be kidding But God always responds to prayers. He always responds. There's no such thing as God not responding. And so God responded to Paul's prayer, and basically his answer was no. Now, number five is this. God answered not by removing Paul's thorn, but by giving Paul the grace to endure that thorn. You see, here Paul learned one of the greatest lessons he ever learned He learned that God comes through at His greatest when we are at our weakest. Now this goes against everything in our culture. It goes goes against everything in our internal inclination. We want to come across as confident. We want to come across as in charge. We want to come across as in control. We want to come across as strong. We do not want to come across as weak as timid, as lowly. And yet, Paul, who also doesn't want to come across as as weak, he has found out in this experience that that is exactly the kind of philosophy that God has. When we are nothing, God is everything. When we have nothing, God owns it all. When we have lost the grip on our last rope, God is our refuge and strength. Somebody said, well, preacher, you just, you don't fully understand where, where I've been, where I am, where we are. We're at our lowest. We're almost at the point of no hope, absolutely no hope, right, at the, right on the fringe of hopelessness. Uh, as hard as this is to say and probably harder to hear, my response to that would be, you're in the best place you can be. Because when we are at the point of hopelessness, that's where God's power shines through the greatest. That's where we stop depending on ourselves and we start depending on Him. And that is the only place where He gets all the credit, the praise, the honor, and the glory that is due Him. You look through Christian history and some of the greatest Christians in that history tell us that their deepest spiritual insights came through their vulnerability, through their suffering, and through their pain. They attest 
that they found peace, happiness, and strength, not through their power, not through their giftedness, not through their heightened abilities, but through the full experience of their weakness. So often it seems that we approach our world as if it is, uh, as if we're a Terminator and we're in a Terminator world where the battle is won by the biggest guns and the smartest bombs and the biggest power. Strength equals power, we're led to believe. But Paul terminated this particular approach to life because Jesus terminated that particular approach to life. Listen, if for Jesus strength was better than weakness, he would have never gone to the cross. But he, he through his, his weakness, allowed himself voluntarily to go to the cross so that God's power to redeem the whole world would be accomplished. Some of God's greatest feats come during the points of our deepest weakness. You see, this is the paradox. Strength doesn't equal power. Weakness equals power. It is when we lift up other people that we ourselves get lifted up as a byproduct. It is when we experience sorrow. In that sorrow, if we allow God, He can give us the greatest joy. When we are last and recognize ourselves as last, God will exalt us to being first. It's when we die that we live. Paul says, whenever I am weak, then I am strong. Because whenever he was weak, he remembers that the greatest of all power belongs to God. Where are you? Are you proud? Pride can be good or bad. Pride becomes bad when it shuts the door, slams it shut, and deadbolts it and leaves God's power outside. That's when pride becomes a problem. Pride must be leveled. Our weakness must be acknowledged for God's power to come through. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we're grateful, Lord, to You for the experiences of life. We don't understand everything that happens to us. But we know that you are a God who's in control. We know that you are a God who has a plan. We know that you work through our weaknesses to do the most incredible things. And when you come to help us, if you see pridefulness and arrogance and haughtiness and, and, and self-reliance, it is that kind of attitude that... that it shuns you away. It causes you to back away. It's almost as if you're saying, okay, try it yourself. See how far that gets you. See how that works for you. Lord, help us to realize that it is when we are weak that we are strong. Because when we are weak, you come through strong. In Jesus' name, amen.